If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you, and what a time of the year we're in. As I mentioned last week, it is the month of Adar, and the month of Adar, of course, is a month that is incredibly connected to the idea of Simcha. In fact, our sages tell us, When the month of Adar comes along, it is our obligation to increase our level of joy, festivity, and Simcha. And Throughout the year, we are obligated to serve God with a sense of joy, because joy uplifts, joy carries us, and joy enables us to understand and feel purpose and mission in life. How much more so? This month of Adar, when we are told we have to increase in great measure this level of joy that we feel. And I know others have spoken about this concept of how can we simply add to joy? Is it something which happens automatically? Perhaps at another time we'll talk about it at greater length. But the fact remains, here is a month of joy. And when joy is the prevailing sentiment in any situation, one does what one has to do with far greater energy and excitement, more passion. When a person is down and out, when a person is, well, God forbid, depressed in a state of Sadness. It is difficult for that individual to do something with a degree of passion. However, when joy comes along, this is something which is extraordinary. It uplifts us. It carries us. It gives us an entirely different perspective of that which we have to do. And even when it comes to the study of Torah, the study of Torah can God forbid, sometimes be a doer type of experience where a person feels beholden to do something like that. He feels it's a burden, an obligation that does not give him any excitement and purpose. However, when a person studies Torah with joy, it opens his mind, it opens his heart. Not only does he understand what he is learning in a far greater way, but he feels the spirituality, he feels the holiness, and this enables him to connect with what he is studying as well. This is why when we begin to study the Parsha, during the month of Adar, it takes on an altogether greater, joyous, and more purposeful type of experience. This is why when we take a look at the Parsha of Terumah that we are going to study today for a short while, we'll begin to understand toward the end why, in fact, joy adds this incredible dimension to this particular weekly portion. The Parsha is Truma, where God tells the Jewish people through Moshe that truma, you shall take for me a donation, a contribution, in order that you can build for me a house. You will build for me a sanctuary and I will dwell among you. And this is the contribution that the Jewish people make, in a sense, giving of themselves, giving of what they possess, giving so that they can create a physical, spiritual structure that will house the revealed presence of God. A great gift from God. A great gift that he allows us to participate in this sort of purpose. After all, when God created the world, his intention was that his presence should be seen and should be felt. Unfortunately, through a whole series of negative experiences, beginning with the sin 
of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. This revelation, this revealed presence of God was hidden more and more until along came Abraham and again through a process of seven great righteous men. This revelation was reintroduced into the world culminating of course with Moshe standing at Sinai bringing down the Torah something that we read about only a few short weeks ago in Parsha Yitro. And this is what we are talking about. God of course could have created a world where his presence is seen, where his presence is felt, where his revelation is something which is obvious and apparent. However, God says to us, what he wants us to do is to bring about a state of existence where his revelation can in fact be felt and seen in the fullest sense of the word. In other words, God is enabling us to partner with him, as I've spoken about many times, but it takes on a different dimension in this week's Parsha because he is giving us specific instructions how to construct something, how to build something that will be a migdosh from him. And this is something that we have to think about and try to understand. How is it possible? God who is infinite beyond any measure, God who is infinite beyond any type of description, God, God after all is God. What kind of house, what kind of dwelling can we build for him so that he will in fact dwell within it? It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. How can we take God and put him into a small physical structure? Although, considering the type of place that they were in, the Mishkan was quite an elaborate edifice and something which was a place of great spirituality and beauty. But for God to say, build a dwelling place, build a home, Vasili Mikdash, build for me a sanctuary, Bishachanti, Besocham, and I will dwell among it. How can we somehow take God and put him in to this relatively limited small structure. In fact, the prophet themselves asked this question, what kind of house can you build to house God? After all, he is so far beyond any type of limitation and description. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We've asked the question, what is the Mishkan all about? How is it possible that this limited physical structure should in fact become a dwelling place for God? And it's not something which people themselves have come up with. God himself is telling the people. God himself is instructing the people, the Asuli Mikdash, make for me a sanctuary, and I will dwell among you. As we take a look at the beginning of the Parsha, the very name of the Parsha, the Parsha is called Truma. Now, Truma can be translated in a number of different ways, a contribution, a donation, setting something aside for a different purpose. But Torah uses the word Truma because Truma has another translation, another meaning as well, and that is to uplift, to bring up. By giving this particular type of contribution, by giving this particular type of donation, what you are in fact doing is raising something to an entirely different level. And what does God say? God tells Moshe to tell the people, And while, of course, this refers to the treasurers, those individuals who were charged with the responsibility of collecting, receiving these gifts that the Jewish people donated to the building of the Mishkan. It also 
in its literal sense, v'yichuli, they will take me or take for me. But taking God, what is that really all about? When it comes to contribution, when it comes to donation, when it comes to giving something, there are a number of different ways of how a person perceives that particular act. There are certain individuals to whom it is a terrible burden. After all, they say to themselves, I worked so hard to make that which I have in order to get that which I possess. How can I possibly give that away for something to something else? After all, it's mine. Why should I give it away? And tragically, a great number of people think this way, that giving is something which will interfere with their well-being, having to share that which they possess with others, even a sanctuary. And then there are those who say no. This is an act of giving. This is an act of giving to God in order to ensure that the world is a better place. And they justify this wonderful type of behavior by giving and giving generously, giving graciously. But it goes beyond that as well. Because the ultimate way of giving is when you recognize that whatever you have, whatever exists in this world, actually belongs to God. You're not giving away something that belongs to you. And you're sharing it with others, even sharing it for the construction of a mishkan. But rather you are taking a portion of that which God has given you, that which belongs to God in every sense of the word, and using it for a different purpose. And the rest you shall keep in order to live the type of life that you can and you should. This is a much higher level of giving. It's not a burden. It's not even, well, doing something wonderful and great. It's doing something which enables you to share in the wealth of God. God gives you X amount. It all belongs to him. And he is saying, give this smaller amount back to this particular purpose, and the rest shall be for you. When a person looks at giving in that sort of way, how everything ultimately belongs to God, it is Nidvenalibo, it is his heart that he's giving at the very same time. It's not only a material thing, gold, silver, copper, precious gems, beautiful fabrics. He is giving his heart. He is participating, he is sharing in this incredible event of building a house for God. It's not that he is giving something. He is in fact sharing that which belongs to God in the first instance, he is sharing that with the house of God. What does that mean? What it means is that a person looks at life and doesn't see a distinction, a separation between that which is godly and that which is not godly. Yes, of course, there are those things which are permissible and those things which are prohibited. There is good and there is evil. There is right and there is wrong. What the individual sees this world was created by God, and everything in it was created by God. And therefore, with proper preparation, with proper knowledge, a person begins to see godliness in every single area of the world. That's not an easy task. It's not easy to see godliness, because as we look around the world, we see a material world. We see a physical world. We see a world that we somehow think is run by the rules of nature. And what we observe, what we see, is the natural order of things. 
However, when a person begins to examine deeper, not only intellectually through study, but through character development, using his heart to give, he begins to sense and see a world in which God exists on every single level. After all, God brought the entire world into being. And this is the progression of the parashiyot that we've gone through in the last couple of weeks. There was a moment of incredible elation, revelation at Sinai, where God comes down and gives the people the Ten Commandments, revelation at Sinai, a moment unlike any other. And then we read the parsha of Mishpatim, those laws that govern the behavior of individuals within a society in order to ensure that that society functions correctly and properly. We talk about the development of the character. Man stands at Sinai, receives the Torah. It's not this great one-time experience, a sensation never to be repeated. He begins to put into effect, through his own correct social behavior, what the world should look like and what the world should be. It's a process of great development. And through correcting his behavior, making sure that he does the right things, doesn't transgress, doesn't do anything which is hurtful to God's creation on an interhuman level, as we read in the book of Mishpatim, the parsha of Mishpatim. He begins to develop what we call character development. He begins to refine himself. He begins to elevate himself. His view of the world is altogether different. It is no longer a selfish perspective where he looks at things and tries to, well, amass a fortune because after all, he can and he should and he wants everything for himself. He begins to recognize within this incredible creation that appears to be guided by the natural order, that appears to be a physical and material place as one that is indeed a creation of God and therefore the presence of God is everywhere. And therefore when it comes to build the house for God, he understands that what in actual fact he is doing, he or she is doing, is not necessarily building this artificial place, structure, building that will house God. What he's in fact doing is revealing the innate presence of God within the particular dimensions of this physical world. What he is doing is exposing and revealing that which is essentially there. However, in order to be an individual where one not only does the right thing, but senses and sees and feels that type of development, one has to refine and develop his own character. And when you are building a healthy society, as we read last week, when the relationship between you and others is proper, yes, of course, godly laws as well. It's all a process of refinement. This opens the eyes of the individual that he begins to see and sense and feel a world that has been created by God and a world which contains in every dimension in every molecule, the presence of God. It's not limited to that molecule, God forbid. However, every single aspect of the world that we see and feel and live in and with is a revelation of godliness. And this is what Truma is all about.
It is not only giving, it's elevating. Because this comes after Mishpatim, this becomes, this comes after an individual has refined himself. And this is what God is saying to that individual. Build a house for me. Take a place that as a result of your actions, as a result of your contributions, as a result of what you will do in order to build that structure and house it with all the elements that I'm going to tell you, you are going to bring a revealed presence of godliness into the world. However, the question remains, how is it possible within this limited world of time and space to house the beyond infinite greatness of God? But that in itself is the answer. Infinite beyond infinite, not limited by finite or infinite. God is beyond everything. If you had a universe that was a million times bigger than one that we are in, could that house God? Of course not, because that's not what we're talking about. God is not limited by time and space, and therefore God can live equally in the most spiritual levels wherever he wants to be as much as he can live within the specifics of a specific molecule. A specific place. If, in fact, this place comes about as a result of individuals who are giving their hearts, of individuals who are contributing their very essence, of individuals who have refined themselves to such a degree that they create a society of holiness, then those individuals, as all of Israel were at the time, are able to build a house for God, and I will dwell among you. I will be there. This will be a symbol. This will be a place. And I know the word place is in contradiction to the infinity of God. But this will be a place where his revelation can be seen and felt. Because God is not limited by time and space. And as I said before, he can live equally in the most spiritual realms as within the limitation of the most minute molecule. And while, of course, this is a difficult concept to understand at times, nonetheless, this is what the Parsha is talking to us about. Do this in a particular sort of way, says God. Build the ark. Construct the candelabrum, build the table, build the altar, build the walls. Do what you have to do as a result of your behavior, and you will begin to see that what you have constructed is a divine residence, a divine dwelling place where God himself will be revealed as a result of your efforts. You have stripped away the facade of the natural of the material. You have exposed the inner dimension of godliness that exists within every single aspect of all of creation. Creation, not only in the physical sense, the universe as we understand it, but all the spiritual realms, all the spiritual worlds. What you have done is stripped away the limitation that doesn't allow us to sense and feel and see godliness. And you have exposed godliness into this world. This is what Truma is all about. It's not, well, tell the Jewish people to take their gold and silver and precious gems and beautiful fabrics and we're going to build ourselves this magnificent structure that will be a house for God. No, what you are talking about is Truma. Teach them how to elevate their souls and in that process elevate the physical realm around them.
more of that. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how through character development, when a person applies himself, a person begins to refine his heart, his mind, his body, his soul. He begins to sense and to reveal the inherent godliness that is contained within the world that God himself created. It's not as if you are introducing something new or different into the world. You are simply stripping away the external facade of that which we call the natural order or that which we call physical and material because physical and material are a creation of God and therefore contain godliness. We ourselves are individuals who possess a godly soul. Yes, while in fact we have very physical bodies, physical bodies that are limited in time and space, physical bodies that have all sorts of structures within it that display limitation. Nonetheless, we possess a soul which is infinite, which is there forever, which is, as our sages tell us, a part of God himself. This is what truma is all about. Truma is learn to understand how to elevate things. Don't give with a heavy heart. Don't give begrudgingly. Don't even give because it's a nice and good thing to do. Give because you are elevating all that you possess, all that you are, the entire world around you through the recognition that everything belongs to the Almighty Himself. And therefore your act is simply taking that which is His returning a particular portion, and retaining the rest for yourself. Yes, it does take discipline, it does take work, it's not going to happen overnight, but it is within the realm of possibility. It is within the realm of something that could and therefore should be done. This is the entire Parsha. The entire Parsha is telling us truma, whatever you go through in life, Make sure that it is a process of elevation and development. Not only setting aside something for a spiritual purpose, but to recognize that the entirety of everything, ourselves and everything around us, is a spiritual process. Yes, on the one hand, limited by physical dimension but at the same time has the possibility of exposing the greatest thing. The entire Parsha, each and every single item that had to be created for the temple. And this is what Hashem says, Do that and I will dwell among you. My very essence will be there. It's something which boggles the mind. The very essence of God will be contained within this physical world, within a physical space and place. The answer is yes. The answer is any individual who gives with his heart, any individual who goes through a process of refinement of self, of environment, of society, when an individual does these things, the end result is revelation. Yes, it took place one moment in time at Sinai after the Jewish people came out of Egypt, but it is possible to a certain degree to continue the process of revelation of godliness into the world. And this is connected with the month of Adar, as I mentioned last week as well. What greater joy is there when a person begins to realize that God empowered him, that he and she can become a full partner, 
in fulfilling the purpose of all of creation, the revelation of godliness within a physical limited world. What greater joy is there when a person recognizes, realizes, celebrates the fact that what he or she can do is actually a divine act, a divine act of revelation. And how does the individual do it? The individual does it by simply fulfilling those instructions that God gave us in the Torah through mitzvot, doing it precisely, doing it exactly, not deviating, not creating new elements, not creating new concepts, ideas, and philosophies, but rather concentrating, focusing with every bit of energy on the word of God within Torah, the fulfillment of mitzvot in the most particular sort of way. And this is something which gives us a great joy. When the Parsha of Truma is read during the month of Adar, it takes on far greater possibility, far greater significance, far greater purpose as well. This is what we have to strive for. It's there. It's in the air. The energy is something which God has placed into the very time structure of this month. Whatever we do is now blessed by this greater, greater energy, divine energy of joy, which uplifts every single act that we do to levels beyond comprehension, to levels which are so great. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully to this Parsha. Listen to what God says, make for me a sanctuary so I will dwell among you. Listen to the description of each object, the ark, the table, the candelabrum, the altar. Listen to everything. Recognize that they all represent a dimension of physical construction that is done with the contribution of the heart, which elevates it to a higher level. Listen carefully to what the Parsha tells you, and you will see greatness in the Parsha within yourself. Good job,